that right before the Lord. And even in what they call practice, because, you, you know, you really have to have certain things that uh, to be aligned. But a lot of times in their practice, they go right into worship. And they just go before the Lord. And, you know, practice and doing what's right, practice makes perfect. If you're building something and it's all crooked and you don't, you leave it like it is, your house is going to go like this. But I think God's trying to rearrange. I think God is trying to place us in a place like we've never seen before. And it's interesting that the Thanksgiving weekend, and you know, that's tough. You've had food and you've got full and full as a turkey. And, but God really spoke to me and he said, I know they've been hungry, but I'm hungry for them. And I want to go, I want you to go with me to Psalms 34, verse 8. And he really spoke to me about how good he is. And sometimes you know he's good because, you know, he takes care of things. And sometimes you might be at a financial need and all of a sudden he just takes care of things. And you go, man, he's just, that's so good. You're good, God. You just, I mean, I couldn't even pay this bill. And all of a sudden now I got a financial breakthrough or something happened. And you're good, God. Or you just spared me from an accident. You're good, God. That is good. But I think God's trying to show us how really good he is. Without anything happening, without anybody putting a hand to money to you, without anything of being spared, without anything, he wants you to know how good he is when you don't have anything. And sometimes our natural being always wants to, because of, he's good. Our natural being, our naturals usually, well, because of, because he did that, he's good. What if he didn't do anything, is he good? What if you were all by yourself, is he good? What if you went through a divorce, is he good? What if you lost somebody? Is he good? And I think God's trying to scoot things aside, whether it's been with family, with, with a financial thing, with whatever it is. I think he wants to scoot things aside. He's jealous. He is a jealous God. He doesn't want anything in the way. And sometimes even finances can get on our way. Oh, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And sometimes we even turn from how good he is because he said he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns streets of gold. Friend, he owns streets of gold. Who do we think we are that we can't go from one place to another because the enemy would always try to distract from how good God is? Because, see, the enemy knew how good he was. He sat right beside him and knew how good he was. And then he manipulated to think, let me see if everybody can see how good I am. And so the world and all the things that happen try to make it look like things are good. Come on, somebody. Things ain't good in the world. There's been more shootings in the last week than I've ever seen. That's not good. But he's good. And things are going to go dark, but things are going to go bright. And I think, I think the Lord is trying to tell us to stand. we got to get in the middle, and we got to stand where he wants us to stand. Amen? Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that he's good. Listen to this in the message. Open your mouth and taste. Isn't it funny? Because if you don't open up your mouth, how are you going to taste anything? 
Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you that run in him. Open your mouth and open your eyes. In the message, open your mouth and open your eyes. You can't, you can't taste or you can't see unless you taste. It says taste and see. So here you are with you just want to see it and then taste it. But that's not what that says. It says taste and see. See, our eyes have been closed with things and our mouths have not been open. And um, Can you praise and open up your mouth without being here? Can you praise and say that he's good anyway, no matter what's going on? Can you open up your mouth and then see what, how good he is? You won't be able to see how good he is unless you open up your mouth. I got a big mouth. Don't, don't tell Pop. He's back in the back. He would agree. But I want to shout on the mountaintops. I want to shout in the valley how good he is. I'm not going to close my mouth for no one. Isn't it funny how the world will tell you to shut your mouth and been telling Christians to shut their mouths? Open up your mouth. Give him praise. And when I'm shouting back in the back, I don't care who, who hears nothing because I got something to shout about. And I'm not talking about, yes, he saved me 30-some years ago. He set me free. I could shout on that right there. And I'm not the same person, Brene, as I was before. I'd hurt somebody if I was the same person. Hello. That old thing died a long time ago. Now I'm alive in Christ. I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my God. Open your mouth. Speak what you need to speak so you can see what you need to see. If you don't speak, if you don't open up your mouth, how are you going to be able to see? That's why people are blind and they're walking to and fro, don't know where they're going. There's so many Christians, so many churches that are walking around blind because they can't even open up their mouths. I wasn't going this way, Holy Spirit. I thought to myself, I told Miss Jackie, I said, we're going to go into the Psalms. This is going to be really awesome. And then I opened up my mouth. And then it sounds like a roar coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I got something to praise about. David, the psalmist, saying, taste and see. Taste involves, listen to this. Taste involves testing and sampling. To see involves understanding or perceiving. The phrase taste and see means try and experience. Come on, somebody. If you try and experience, oh, you're going to know he's good. There ain't going to be no doubt that he's not good. But there's a test. How are you going to taste if you don't test it? How are you going to taste it? If you don't test it to prove that it's good and true, you're just going to let everybody just say, hey, now this is what God said. Did you taste it for yourself? Did you try it for yourself? Did you experience it for yourself? David urges God's people to discover the goodness of the Lord by personal trial and experience for themselves. Not just to take his word for it. God spoke to me as clear as the day is long Monday morning, early in the morning. After the service we had on Sunday, some of you weren't here. If you weren't, you need to, you need to go back to it and you need to watch it. And we set a table out here with nothing on it. And all of a sudden, two servants came and started placing beautiful garments on it and setting the table and preparing it. And God spoke to me, and we, we put out food 
we got things ready, and they brought out the food. And it wasn't about who was sitting at this table, because everybody was sitting at that table that day. Some came up and started tasting and seeing it was good. Amen? And God spoke to me, and he said, they watched you experience as you ate at the table. But like David, I want them to experience for themselves. And he said, you scooted up at the chair, and they watched you scoot up, and you started serving and started bringing the food out. You started eating. He said, I want them to eat of me. I want them to taste of me. I want them to see. I want them to experience. You ever been in trials? Hello, I could put my, both my legs up and both my hands. Been trialed. You've had experiences that some didn't have. You've been through some things that some other people haven't been through. You've been in pain. You've hurt. Test and sample is taste. So if you test this and you sample this, you'll be able to see. See, sometimes we don't, we don't eat the word like we should, so then we don't know who he really is. And I don't care if you've ate it for 30 years. Isn't it something that if you just keep eating the same thing over and over, it's going to become stale? Hello. Because you have to have fresh experience with God. You have to have fresh trials. It's always trial, samples. It's not easy. But he's good. Listen. David wanted them to actively experience and know themselves that God is good. I'm going to go back to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 4 and 5 says, And again he sent the other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready Come to the wedding feast. I think, I think God is bringing a warning to us to, to come. Now he's saying, okay, now you come. Now taste and see that I'm good. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, the other to his business. In fact, the king's servant who brought the joyful message... We're mistreated and killed. I'm bringing a joyful mess message. If I'm mistreated and killed, <laughs> I'm going to bring a joyful message. Whether I'm mistreated. See, sometimes we don't want to be mistreated because we've already been mistreated a long time ago. So we would rather say, no, I, I'm not, I would rather not say anything about the joyful message of God because I've already been mistreated, so I really don't want to be hurt anymore. Hello. So we would shut the door to that instead of asking God to invite. How long has it been since you've invited somebody to the church? I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Invited them to the table. Invited them to taste and see that he's good. Sometimes, sometimes we get so bogged down with everything that's going on in our own lives that we miss everything that's around us. Isn't it funny how if somebody's lonely and everybody's at the table and everybody's there, but you're still lonely? Because there's still a healing that needs to take place. You need to taste and see that he's good. Goodness. I've been saying it all week. Pop said, boy, you've been saying that all the way. I said, man, he's good. And I'd walk through the house. No, I mean, he is good. And, you know, you can't experience anything to get up here and say what you need to say unless he's really done something to you. Unless I can taste something new and see that he is good. Because we're so consumed with everything else, our eyes can go like this. So we won't be able to taste and we won't be able to see. Isn't it interesting that 
they went out and invited them to the banquet feast, but they didn't want to come. And I started thinking about this, Jen, because they did not want to experience the goodness. They didn't come to taste. They didn't come to see because they did not want to experience the goodness of God. It says even the elite will be deceived in an hour that we're in. I don't want to be that person. I've asked God for a fresh hunger all week. God, I want to fre- break me if you have to. I want a fresh hunger with you, God. I want to taste a taste that I've never tasted before because he's so dimensional. We can just go and read a little bit and say, oh, okay, well, that was good. I read a little bit of Psalms today. Hey, oh, no, I read it a little bit this morning. No, how hungry are you? How hungry are you with, for God and his experiences? I want to be hungry. And I walked away from this table, and I got to say this, and it blessed me because, man, God really laid it on my heart with the children. And in the midst of all that at the table, I said, Pastor Brandon, I got to obey God. I got to go get the babies. I got to go get them. I walk back there and I look at Pastor Sam and I said, that's weird. Anyway, you're coming in. You're just coming into your own, Bubba. And I looked at Pastor Sam and I said, we need to hurry. I need to bring the children in. I need, they need to come in. What was interesting about it is just like Pastor Jen said, before the children ever came in, she goes, you know what's really weird? We're sitting up here eating. And she said, you know, we're, here we are on camera. Is our, do we have food in our teeth? You know, we're always thinking about certain things, you know, in our own lives of eating this right, doing this right. And here comes the children. Shoot, they're climbing on the table. They were hungry. No, they were hungry. And I got to say this, the Saturday night before we even did all of that for Sunday morning, I was preparing the food. I was back in the kitchen preparing the food, and Brandon and Zion came in to drop something off. And I'm back in the back in the kitchen, late, kind of late, Saturday evening, but I wanted everything done. You know, you've got to prepare things. Who turns all these lights on when you come in? Who prepares making sure the bathroom? Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to prepare things. Because it, bring, it brings you into a place. Zion comes into the kitchen and he said, Oh, Nana, what do you got? I'm hungry. What do you got going on back here? And I open up the refrigerator and I have vegetables and I have, he said, Oh, black olives are my favorite, Nana. I said, Shh. So I grabbed some and put it in his hand. He goes, I'm not going to tell nobody. I said, You know what's behind that? That tray right there, it's your dad's favorite upside-down pineapple cake. He said, Nana, that's my favorite too, so, I mean, you're going to save me a piece because I'm not going to be able to be in there. And he said, I don't understand what it means that there's a banquet. I don't understand that. This is Zion Saturday night. And I started to explain it to him, kind of knelt down in front of him, and I started to explain it to him. And then Sunday, when they brought all the children in, and Zion is at the end of that table, and he starts singing, and he starts weeping. I mean, this boy was weeping. And when he got done singing, I leaned down, and I said, now you understand what the banquet is. Now you understand. He said, it's God. I said, it is, Zion. You just, you you tasted, your eyes were open to the experience, and he had an experience with, come on, somebody. He had an experience with God right at that table. And some of us miss the experience. It's a yielding of the heart. It's a surrender that God is doing in our lives interesting. Before tasting anything, we must eat something. What have you been eating lately? 
Thanksgiving dinner? Did you stuff your, even though it was me and Pop, whoo, we laid out a spread. Was it easy to prepare all that? No. But was it worth it? Yes. But I'm not talking about natural food. I'm talking about spiritual food. Because God is spirit, and he said, taste and see that I am good. If God is spirit, nobody's good but God. Even when the man came up to Jesus and said, good teacher, good teacher. And Jesus turned around and said, don't call me good. No one's good but God. Even Jesus said that. He said, no one's good but God. Hmm. If you don't taste and see that he's good, your soul won't be good. What Adam and Eve taste Jesus said, God said, you can have anything in this garden, but don't taste, don't touch that tree right there. Don't, don't touch that. You can have anything. Can you imagine, Daniel? You can have anything. You can have anything. I'm going to give you food. And isn't it interesting because he said, and in the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth and it was good. And it was what? And it was good. I created day. It was good. I created man. It was good. It was very good. Taste and see that he's what? That he's good. He started off in Genesis that it was good. So the very first thing he did is he gave everything that he needed to give to Adam. The trees, the fruit, the food. He said, here, you can have all this. You can just walk with me and you can know that I'm good, but don't touch that right there. So Eve goes in deception from the enemy and hears. Isn't it funny that it's your senses? You hear, you see, you taste. Come on. She wouldn't have tasted it unless she heard it. You wouldn't taste something of the world unless you heard it. So here's the enemy comes in and he goes, it's okay. You'll be able to see like you've never seen before. Oh, no, it's going to be okay. She goes, really? I think I might just try that. She goes right up, and she takes that fruit, and she takes a bite, and she tasted. I can't imagine what happened in the heavenlies. I can't imagine what happened when she tasted the wrong thing, and she had an appetite for something that God said no. I don't know what your appetite is. And I don't know what he said no to to you. Isn't it funny that you're, it's personal? It's always personal. It's not even with husband and wife sometimes. Sometimes it's just personal. Uh, 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 don't you pick it. Don't, don't look at that. Uh, don't you dare text that back. Uh, you stay calm. And isn't it something that when you're tested and there's an experience, like I told Brene, of course, me and Pop went shopping. Have we lost our minds? And we're waiting in line at a store that's very, very long, and Pop's got a small little cart, and he accidentally ran into somebody's ankle. And I can tell you, this woman cussed us out, started putting her chest against mine. Jesus better help me. The old Don Ann wouldn't have been good. I said, I am so sorry. He didn't mean to do that. She said, I just got out of jail, and I don't care what he meant to do. Should I stay in line and buy what I'm going to get, or should I slide out of here? I stood in line, girl. And you know what was interesting is she was looking at me and she was very angry and she was very mad and she was very distraught. My first thought was, just being honest, Brandon, I felt bigger devils than this thing standing in front of me. 
My second thought, I started having this passion for her and her hurt and her pain. And it didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter how kind I was. It didn't matter. She was not going to listen to me. So I kept just sharing, you know, love and how much I cared made her more angry. But I was going to say the message anyway. I didn't have to say, hey, Jesus loves you or, hey, I didn't have to say that. I had to be that. Come on, somebody. I've been tasting and seeing that he's good. And isn't it interesting that in the week that I've been saying, oh, my God, he's good. He's so good. I got somebody standing in front of me cussing me out. Oh, he's good. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Are we going to be the voice? Are we going to open up our mouths and see what we need to see with these people so they will know that he's good? David knew that he was good. He said, oh, taste and see. Listen to how David said it. Oh, taste and see that he's good. He was telling them, I know he's good. Now I need you to know that he's good. I need you to know the experience. I need you to know the trial of this. Do you know that David, that's when he was escaping from all the things that were going on with him in the cave and all that? That's when he said, oh, taste and see that he's good. Even though he was going through the trials and even though he was in the cave and they were trying to kill him and he's saying taste and see that he's good? That's the opposite of what somebody would, would say. That's the opposite of what I w- could have said. And you know, Pop, love him. He said, you know, I think I'm just going to take the cart and go step outside. I said, you leaving me here by myself? He goes, well, you know, I mean, I don't want to run into her anymore, and I don't want to. But it was personal to me. Do you get me? You go through a trial, and it's personal to you. Can you say, taste and see that he's good? Can you literally have a taste and see, and you go up to somebody else and say, man, you need to taste and see that he is good? What about the servants that said, oh, come on. We want to invite you to the feast. I mean, you've got to taste and see he's good. He's so good. What happened? They mistreated him and killed him. So here I'm thinking of all this in the scripture, and I'm like studying all this, and then I get this lady in front of me saying, I just got out of jail. If you won't step outside. Now she's asking me to step outside. But all I could think of is they were mistreated when they asked him to come to the feast and they were even killed. I was mistreated standing there, but I could say, taste and see that he's good. How are you going to respond? Or how are you going to react? Are you going to respond to his word? Or are you going to react in your emotions? Come on, somebody. And it kind of shows you when it's all said and done. And I said, have a good day. They were going to go at the cash register. And I thought, well, she's probably going to either spit at me or knock me down on the ground. I don't know. But how I responded and how you react is a key. It shows, it shows that, you're, that you're allowing God to heal you. Amen? Psalms 119.03 says, Oh, sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. You must satisfy your hunger with truth. I'm going to read it again. Oh, sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. You have to satisfy your hunger with truth. Everything else that's coming out of the world and everything else that's coming off the news and everything else... You better discern if it's truth, if it's true or false. Because you can sit right under it, and then all of a sudden you think you're hungry for it. And then you get angry. 
this world's going to hell in a handbasket. And you're angry instead of just speaking the truth. That Jesus is coming and we better get ready for the wedding feast. See, you got to open up your mouth. Because if you don't open up your mouth, and I think, and I don't know where Samo is. I think, I think that God's getting ready to open the mouths up of them youth. I do. I think that the enemy has tried to tape up their mouths and try to hold them and try to gag them. And I believe and I've been praying and I believe that God's getting ready to open up their mouths and they're going to be able to see and they're going to be able to experience what God's wanting and what you've had in your heart, Sam. God's getting ready to fulfill. He's getting ready to fulfill it. Paul wrote to the efficient church about the importance of tasting the word. Paul was reflecting on the Psalm of David. Listen, now, now we're in the New Testament. Now we're in Paul. In seeking knowledge of God comes wisdom and revelation. That tasting produces knowledge of Jesus that gives sight. I'm going to say it again. In seeking knowledge of God comes wisdom. If you're seeking God, you'll get wisdom and revelation. Revelation is sight. If you're hungry, you'll taste. Then you'll get revelation in sight. That taste produces knowledge of Jesus that gives sight. The knowledge of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the knowledge, you have to have the knowledge yourself of Jesus Christ. I knew a, a knowledge of Jesus Christ when I was eight years old and gave my heart to the Lord. Just that first time that you, you, you surrendered and you gave your heart to the Lord, that very first time. It's powerful. Then you start walking with the Lord, you start walking with the Lord, and you start getting knowledge, you start getting revelation. But there's something about that taste, that very taste that is so powerful. So what's the enemy try to do? He tries to give the enemy tries to give taste like either ones that have tasted drugs and it just took them somewhere else. And the next thing they know, they're hungry for that and they're trying to seek that. And they'll sell their car, they'll sell their brother, their mother, their children to get that taste again. Come on, somebody. What is your appetite? What are you hungry for? Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 says that the eyes of understanding being enlightened to see that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us immeasurable greatness. I don't know about you, but I want immeasurable greatness. That I would know the hope of glory? That I would know the calling of God? Sometimes we just sit down and eat a little bit and then just sit down. That's good enough. I'm good. I got a little taste of God. I can still go do whatever. I I'm good. No, I think there's a fresh hunger that God wants to give us. Here's Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, telling them to taste and see that he's good. Press into knowledge of Jesus that gives you sight. If you do not press into the knowledge, this right here, then you will not have sight to see. And the only person that can eat is you. Your husband can't eat for you. Oh, man, that looks really good. Daniel, can you eat that for me? Does it taste good? Oh, it tastes fantastic. Well, how are you going to eat anything if you're trying to give somebody else what you think that you need to eat? You can't satisfy your husband. I'm talking about this. Be careful. 
But when the hunger of God comes on you and you've been eating and you've been hungry for God and all of a sudden your husband's not hungry, your husband's not hungry for God, and then all of a sudden you've been walking up here having this experience with God and the next thing you know you start turning your head because you don't think your husband's been really doing what he needs to do and he's way back there. So you turn back around and you get back up. Come on somebody. You get back way back here and you lost your experience with God because you think you're the savior to your husband. That's not how that goes. You can serve a plate, but you can't taste it if, if you're just giving it to them. They've got to taste it. This is a personal experience that God has. Taste. Taste in the Hebrew is tama, meaning to taste, to perceive, and to eat. This is an active word. It means to perceive, to eat. We got to eat of the, I'm telling you, he told me, I want them to be hungry for me. I need them to eat. And when we were in Arizona and I was saying that, we had lived in a little apartment and God spoke to me and he said, you got company coming. You need to eat more of the word. What? I just moved here, God. I don't know what that means. I don't even know people here. And he said, for six months, I need you to walk this apartment complex, and I want you to pray for six months. Underneath your breath, I want you to pray. Come on, somebody better obey. Obey the Lord. Even if it looks crazy. So I walked that apartment complex, and I prayed underneath my breath, and I prayed, and I prayed, and he told me for six months, and I did that. And he said, now I need you to get hungry. I need you to eat more because company's coming. I didn't know when company was coming, but I was going to obey the Lord. So I started eating more of the word. And I started eating more of the word. And I said, God, where do you want me to go? God, is this for somebody else? And you know, sometimes you'll read the word and you know it's for yourself and you go, wow. And then sometimes all of a sudden you read something and you got to be careful judging because you'll read something else and all of a sudden you think, that was for them. Yeah, they better straighten up. He's the only judge. Maybe you need to declare and decree a thing. Open up your mouth for somebody else in the Word of God. Amen? So all of a sudden, it was about six months, and the next thing I know, I start getting knocked on the door. I don't know, I don't know these people. We're living in an apartment complex. Brandon was about like that. He said, Mom, somebody's at the door. I said, it's company. Opened up the door, and a gentleman said, I heard you're a Christian woman, and I've been very, very sick, and I wanted to know if you could pray over me. Come on, somebody. I said, come on in. Same day, same hour. So I knocked on the door. Haley, you already know. And a woman comes up and she said, my kids, they need Jesus Christ. I said, come on in. Next thing I know, now I got a house full at the same time in the same hour. And I didn't invite them. But the Holy Ghost invited them because I obeyed to pray and do what I needed to do. I opened up my mouth in prayer. Guess what it did? It gave sight to them. You know, God's a crazy God. Here's mud in your eye. Go dip seven times. Well, I'm going to put him in the belly of the whale. <laughs> How would you like to be in the belly of the whale, Larry? Doing the backstroke. No, really. Like, so why, why can't we be crazy like God? Why can't we experience the thing? No, we have to be so structured like the world wants us to structure. You need to open up your mouth and open up your eyes and tell how good he is. Jesus said, we must be like children to know the Father and see that he is good. 
was younger, I just, I, got, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was eight years old. When I was younger, I just did what he said. I just did what he said. And I, it, was, it reminded me of when they were at the table and they just got up and they laughed and they were laughing and they were eating and they were going, hey, can you pass that over to me? Oh my goodness, this is so good. And it reminded me when I was a little girl, I just did. I just did. I, I knew Jesus and I, and I did. I studied and I did missionettes and I did all these things. And, but when I got older, I tried to do things in my mind. I tried to do it in a knowledge instead of my spirit. Come on, somebody. Matthew 18, 3 and 4 says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven... Matthew 22, 2 and 3 says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Unless you're like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is compared to the wedding feast that you were invited to. Unless you're like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it funny that you spiritually need to grow up but quit acting so old. I got it all going on. Isn't it funny you, you see somebody that's 14 years old and they act like they're 25? Will you just go sit down? No, I, no, I got it all going on. No, you need to enjoy where you are at 14 years old and quit acting like you're 25 years old. Because when you're 25, you have a lot of responsibilities. You have to... Buy your own car. You got to buy your own house. You got to, you get me? So quit, quit trying to grow up so fast. Why don't you learn the experiences and the trials that God has so you can see and you can taste? The kingdom of heaven is like a banquet table. It's like the wedding feast. But if you are not like a child, like what happened with Zion, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He just did that just simple. He just sang, and he did that so simplistic. We even try to do things so, oh, well, that song's not turning out, so, oh, oh, oh. Why don't we just do like he did and have the simplicity of what God's doing? Hmm. We must have childlike faith. And we must keep everything simple. We must give up control by allowing him to work in and through our lives. Depending on him and not ourselves. The more I understood my identity with Christ, the more I could taste and see that he's good. The more I started knowing the identity in Christ. See, we've done this all year for women. Remnant women is just be. Sometimes we don't know how to do that because sometimes we go by our feelings of what happened before. I was abandoned, so I'm always going to be abandoned, or I'm abandoned, so I'm not going to let somebody tell me what to do, or you know what I mean? You're all, there's always, you'll, you'll either follow your hurts or you'll follow the identity of Christ and he can heal your hurts. Amen? The only way that you can taste and see is knowing his identity. Here we are again. He said, I want them to be hungry for his word. Let's look at see in the Hebrew. It's raha, which means to perceive, have vision, look at, observe, look upon, gaze at. I'm going to shout. To cause to look intently, to look face to face, to look at each other. We have a problem in this world of looking at each other. We have a problem that we're looking down at a phone. We have a problem that we can't look at each other anymore and talk to each other eye to eye. I always say, Papa, I need you to look me right in my eyes. 
And you know, the day that we were getting ready to do all this decoration and all this stuff, nobody was here. It was just me and him. And I took, put Christmas music on and I said, you know, before anybody gets here, you want to dance in the foyer? And he always had a pro- he always had a problem looking eye to eye because he was so abused. And I said, "Can you look me eye to eye so we can dance?" He goes, "I can." And there was a healing that's taking place and has been taking place that God is doing. I want you to I want you just to turn to somebody. I want you to look them eye to eye. You, you, you do it all the time, Isaac. You look right at her, eye to eye. You can't get your eyes off of her. No, I really, I want you to look. I, I really want you to do that. I want you to look, Reuben. Look at you. Just, it's okay. See, it's hard for you. It's okay. Because that's part of the healing, Bubba. I mean that. You can look at the children. You know why you can look at your kids? And you can look them eye to eye because nobody's talking back to you. But see, sometimes you need to let somebody look at you and talk to you because God's healing that just like he did pop from abandonment. To perceive, to see, is to look at each other, look face to face. We won't be able to see the goodness of God unless we're looking at him. Have you been looking at him? Yeah, but I can't see him. It's so easy that we can go, okay, yeah, I can look at you, hey, or from a distance. And, and you could be sitting right beside each other and still text each other, not even lean over to talk, somebody. You could be sitting right next to them, and you could be texting them and not looking at them and talking to them. It's called intimacy. It's called into me, you see. To look him eye to eye. Do you know that this is a desire that God has been speaking to me for us to do? He wants us to look at him. Taste, that means to perceive, that sample, that, that testing, and see, to look at him, to gaze on him. Don't glance every once in a while. Don't glance every once in a while. Isn't it funny how you go, well, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a little time with God, and I'm going to, hang on a second. Yep, you're good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's called a little glance. I think he wants us to be hungry for him. I think he desires for us to come to his table. I think he wants us to taste and he wants us to see that he's good. It says to gaze on, to have vision. You know, Isn't it interesting that a lot of people don't have vision anymore? They can't see what's even happening in this hour. And somebody could have a vision for a business or a company, and they really started off right. They thought they started off right, and the next thing you know, they're in greed. They're in all these things, but they're running a company because they thought they had a vision. But in the end... They might have a lot of money, but they're probably dying and going to hell in a handbasket. I think face-to-face tells a story. Isn't it interesting if you look face-to-face, if you've really been before the Lord and you look face-to-face to somebody, sometimes you can see their story without them talking. Like, whether it may see, you know, and you're cutting hair and you look in the mirror and you look at somebody eye to eye and you don't have to say very much and they're probably spilling their guts out right in front of you. You know, but you can look them eye to eye in the mirror and you can see kind of what's going on with them and God wants you to pamper them and God wants you to, you know what I mean? And so you've been tasting and seeing and you want ones to know that he's good. And sometimes we get so busy that we don't even perceive what's going on with anybody anymore. God wants us to gaze on him. He, gaze means to intently look. Not glance. 
When's the last time you intently looked at your spouse? When's the last time you intently looked at your child? Looked at your brother. Intently. Look him in the eye and just intently look at them. Let alone intently look at God. He desires a close, intimate relationship with us. His desire for us is to taste and see that he's good. To experience him fully and intimately. We've lost our sense of taste, which means to perceive in Hebrew. We have lost our sense of taste. The taste of God. To be aware of or conscience of. God really spoke to me with this part right here. He said, when our conscience is seared, literally cut off, then it has been rendered insensitive. And he said that there has been a place of people being insensitive to God, insensitive to each other. It causes us not to work properly. It's spiritual scar tissue that has dulled the sense of right and wrong. And you become numb to pain. So the heart becomes desensitized. Is your heart desensitized? Do you have a passion? Because if you have a passion for God, you should have a passion this way. So I'm going to have a passion for God, but I'm going to act like the devil? No, that doesn't work that way. It's a passion that God has. It's a standard that he has. The only way to genuinely taste and see that the Lord is good is to put the matter to the test and experience his goodness for yourself. We delight in his goodness when we, uh, when we appreciate the cost of Christ's sacrifice. And there's something about that. Have you tasted disappointment? What's your appetite? Have you been led down, betrayed from someone that you really love? It's very important that uh, your appetite's right and your taste is right. Psalms 42, 2. My soul thirsts and pants and longs for the living God. I want to come and see. Listen to what Psalms 42.2 says. My soul thirsts and pants and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. I want to come and I want to see the face of God. Psalms 11.7. But remember this. The righteous Lord loves what is right and just. And every godly one will come into his presence and gaze upon his face. Goodness is holy, just, right. Don't you want to see his face, his holiness, his just, and his right? And he sits upon the throne of God. He sits upon the throne. Some of you get nervous that you would even come into a court or come into a place. I read this to the prayer team, and I'm going to read this to you. Psalms 34, the goodness of God. This is when David composed after his escape from the king when he pretended to be insane. David. Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. <laughs> My lips are full of praise. There's he opened up his mouth. He was going through all kinds of stuff, and he opened up his mouth. I'm boasting of you and all your works. So let all who are discouraged take heart. Join me, everyone, and let's praise the Lord together. Let's make him famous. Let's make his name glorious to all. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me, and he freed me from all my fears. This is David. 
gaze upon him. Join your life with his. And joy will come. Your faces will glisten with the glory of God. You'll never wear the shame face again, ever. Do you want to change your face? You'll never wear the shame face ever again. When I had nothing and I was desperate and defeated, I cried to God and he heard me. Bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it the most. The angels stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. They will do this for you, for everyone who fears God. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercy he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Worship in awe and wonder. All you who have been made holy, for all who fear him will feast with plenty. Even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and hungry. But those who passionately pursue the Lord hmm, will never lack any good thing. Come, I say. Come, children of God, and listen to me. I'll share the lessons I've learned of the fear of the Lord. Do you want to live a long, good life? Enjoy the beauty that fills each day? Then never speak a lie. Or allow wicked words to come from your mouth. I tell you to open up your mouth. Keep turning back every sin in front of you and make peace with everyone. Practice being at peace with everyone, I say. The Lord sees all we do and he watches over his friends day and night. His godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry out to him. I want you to stand with me. Psalm 62. I'm standing in an absolute stillness, silent before the one I love. <laughs> Can you get to that place? Can you stand in absolute silence to the one you love? Waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my Savior and he will not fail me. He alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me as my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me? Even when troubles multiply around me, God's glory is all around me. His wraparound presence is all I need. For the Lord is my savior, my hero, my life-giving strength. Join me, I say. Every one of you, join me. Trust only in God in every moment of your life. Tell him all your troubles and pour out your heart's longing to him. Believe me when I tell you, he will help you. That's me reading the word of God. Now I opened up my mouth to tell you, taste and see that he's good. And when you really get into his word and know that his wraparound presence is all you need, no matter what. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. He's so good. You close your eyes. And I really, honest to God, look upon him. Just, just look upon him. Just look upon him. Maybe you've never walked into the courts. Maybe you've, maybe you've never came into that Thanksgiving place. Maybe you've not even walked through the gates of Thanksgiving and into the courts of praise and into the holy place and into the holy of holies. Maybe you've never even walked through that gate of Thanksgiving. Just tell him. Thank you, God. I want to walk in the gate. I want to walk. I want to walk through there, God. And I want to open up my mouth, and I want to give you praise today. And I want to come into the holy place 
and where the menorah is and there's a reflection of God's word and then you start to see the knowledge and you start to see the things of God until you come into that holy of holies and you see him face to face you can walk there today you can walk there today Some of you would say, I, I don't even know how to do that. Just shh, just shh, shh. Silent yourself and just allow God, even through your pain and through your hurt, he said, I'll take care of all that. I'll take, I'll take care of all that. No matter what you've been through, no matter your worries, and even if something's trying to paralyze you, I'll take care of all that. Just, just come. And I believe the Lord is really bidding us he longs. He's hungry for us. I know that he's, he, I spoke about us being hungry, but I believe that he's hungry for us. And he sent his son just for that. So come out of the outer courts and into the courts.